Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy. Whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional, a show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Welcome, everyone, to episode eight of Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed. My name's Chris Lawson, based in London. I'm joined in Philadelphia by Samuel Moni. Say hello, Sam. Hey, Chris. Hey, listeners. Hey, everybody. Really excited and looking forward to this week's show. Good. Yeah, me too. Me too. And today, we're going to be talking about the team sheet. Who do you want around you? Who can you rely on? And what mix of talent do you want to bring into the team? And we're thinking about it in the wider sense as well, whether you're an entrepreneur, a kitchen table business, just you and your partner, or if you're a junior digital manager making your first hire. But how do you make those decisions about who is your next hire and make sure that they're the best possible option? So, Sam, tell us tell us about the uh, last person you hired. What, you know, why did you hire them? And, and what do you look for when you're making that appointment? Chris, when I think about hiring, I do follow a systematic process, but also try and be a bit uncon- unconventional or non-conventional. For me, it's about making sure that you have the modern marketing com- competencies in mind and then exploring how that person could or has transferred transferred them into the role or making space in the organization for someone who can leverage the skills that they bring. By, me, by, what, by that, I mean, if I'm in consumer packaged goods, I'm not biased in favor of folks with consumer packaged goods experience. I'm looking for people who are driven by competencies, capabilities, such as innovation, being customer and consumer centric in their strategy or their experience. I'm looking for catalysts for change, change agents who can really lean into the change and grasp that. And people who are people leaders, especially people who can demonstrate cultural and cross-cultural competencies. And you've heard it from me before, that tends to mean the how matters more than the what, or as much as the what at least. So none of that requires you to have, again, consumer packaged goods, uh, knowledge and background, and none of it has to be answered with desk job answers. You can bring the full totality of your, your life and your world experiences to the role. And so I'm not saying, listen, don't go for education or academe because that's important, but bl- bringing a blend of everything that you have is is really critical and really important. And if you've traveled, you've got other world experiences, those are all really, really important for the, for the people I'm looking for. So you're looking at the life CV rather than just the last job. Absolutely. So, and, and that's, that's important to keep in mind think 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 beyond the resume or the you know the cv think beyond what you see in front of you and really try and empathize and engage with the person beyond what they you know their suit and tie or their, their their formal outfit for an interview and tap into their worldview and world experiences so i can tell you a bit of a story about a candidate i hired for a marketing role when i was leading the kenmore appliances business business small appliances business and that candidate had a finance background a finance history zero marketing experience in fact i had a couple of people in the the interview panel who pulled me aside and said, look, why are we even talking to this person? Because they didn't have any of the traditional, typical things that they were looking for. But during the interview, one of the questions I asked when probing for the area of creativity, and as she began to bring that story to life, she looked back into her experience and shared a personal example of when, despite being junior and quite young, she led a group of women and a team of women in 
a dance um, example and choreographing them, coming up with the choreography, teaching them the moves, getting them to follow, getting them to buy in. And that has nothing to do with small appliances, nothing to do with toasters or coffee makers, but everything to do with idea generating, experimenting, bringing solutions and bringing people together. That was innovation personified. And she she got hired, rapidly progressed through the organization. And I don't, I'm not a huge fan of interviews, but that's probably the, the best worst way of identifying new hires is via that structured interview process. And I say it's the best worst, worst way because you really want to see people in action, solving real issues, working in a real team environment, which is a better way. And my experiences have been in Fortune 500 companies, so there is it does come with constraints and institutional baggage, but that's changing over time. And so definitely adopting modern practices is critical as much as the traditional structured process. Yeah, no, I, I see that. And I, and I think it's a, it's, a great, it's a great example you give in terms of like just looking behind that sort of, of that current experience. Um, I think also, though, it, it's one of those things where, where it doesn't really matter what size of organization. I know you were talking about the Fortune 500 companies, mm-hmm. but, you know, this is, this is not really an issue where size matters, I think. I think this is a team game, not an individual game. We talk about rock star developers or superstar growth hackers. And I think we have a tendency to judge based on salary expectation as well. Um, but honestly, some of the biggest growth I've seen is when the team complements each other rather than when you're just going for one superstar player. And that said, Mm -hmm. I think if I look back, the big teams I have managed, let's take the Guardian, for example, that was about 50 people strong. Uh, But sometimes you do want a disruptor in there. It's not also always about having a cohesive team. Sometimes it's important to, to bring someone in who's going to mix it up a bit, uh, someone who's going to um, provide some different viewpoints and therefore the the team can sort of spar off that as Mm -hmm. well. But since then, I've had teams of three, 15, 25 people, and and now I'm a team of one bringing in team members to the jobs as required, uh, very much a sort of a flexible virtual team. And but the principles still remain the same. I'm still looking for self-starters, finisher completers, chameleons as well, uh, those people that can actually sort of adapt and sort of drive change in a variety of different guises. But I think if you're an entrepreneur starting out and bringing on your first hire, it's a massive decision. You're basically doubling the workforce um, and you've got to look at what complements you, who is going to challenge you or to do your best work and most importantly, who you can learn from. Someone once said to me a long time ago that that you you should make sure that you always able to learn from your hire. Yeah, the people in my team that I'm proudest of are the ones where you you sensed what impact they could make, but would never have got that from a CV. So I totally take your point about the recruitment process feeling like it's it's imperfect in a way, or indeed you know the interview. Quite often you don't get it. Uh, from the interview process so you've got to you've got to work at that you've got to find how you do look behind that and I, I look for adaptability I look for an external portfolio that choreograph choreography example is a great one um, looking at things right. where mm-hmm. um, it's got nothing to do with work but you're looking for that passion that cultural fear or a demonstration of attributes and skills uh, uh, around it. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, 
Nick Bradley, who does a lot of work with entrepreneurs, I think I mentioned him in a previous podcast, says that the first tie you should make is the one that makes you much more efficient. Uh, and I and I do get that. I do understand that 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 need to, especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're a relatively small team, actually it's it's time that is your your biggest limiting factor. And therefore, trying to be efficient is a uh, is certainly key to that. So there's, there's there's similarities and there's overlap between our approach. And I think what was critical there it does sound like well, it. Well, yeah, what was critical is that we talked a lot about the competencies or the capabilities, which is not characteristics of the individual, the ability to demonstrate adaptability or change and flexibility. But one watch out I would have as I think about best practices in this space is the language that we we use. There's evidence that says the the people you attract or the or you hire the language the requirements and descriptions can get in the way of actually being more inclusive and ensuring that you're open to to different people and uh, more diverse candidates. Mm. And especially as we think about the processes we use and basically taking out the biases that filter people out, be it age, class, ethnicity, income, and some of the, the, the things that that shows up is is the language we use, which might actually have a gender bias. So when I hear descriptions such as rock star or superhero or guru, I would argue that, well, no, I, should, I would argue, I would say the evidence shows that engineer, designer, developer, more neutral terms is more is better because it won't exclude people, but also it will mean that when we think about or visualize the person, we will see a developer, engineer, or designer of any gender, any ethnicity versus perhaps using a word rock star, which tends to bias to, to being male. Yeah, I mean, definitely a watch out. But uh, but my wariness, I think, is that you, you see examples where you're so busy complying with a process that you miss out on that diamond in the rough as well. And, and some of those phrases can then just sound a little bit generic where you're looking for the person that will stand out and they're going, well, actually, I don't want to go to a organization where it's called engineer or designer or developer. So it's a, it's a real challenge, I think. You've got to balance bias with that gut reaction and, and it's tricky. But the, the least biased thing you can do, I believe, is, is hire the best person for the job. But where we need help is about identifying that in a lateral, not a literal way. Uh, and what I mean by that is a lot of where it's about a lot of where you look in the first place mm-hmm. for those hires is making sure you identify the diverse places for both the recruits or the recommendations um, that you're given. Referrals is an incredibly important route, uh, but challenge yourself as to who you are asking for referrals. Um, if you keep going back to the same people or, or people like yourself, then you're very likely to get people that fall into the same mold all the time. So so I do try and challenge myself to look for referrals in in sort of diverse places. Um, but Sam, one once you're there, you know, once you've actually identified sort of potential recruits, how do you judge those capabilities? How how do you go about it? That's one of those gnarly issues, challenges that keeps me awake at night and keeps a bunch of people that I know awake at night. I'm a member of the Talent Forward Alliance, which is a group of marketers and HR practitioners within the US um, environment, the Association of National Advertisers and Education Foundation. So it's an industry body. And there's a mm. bunch of people from all walks of industry and life. There's P&G, there's Verizon, there's Pepsi, 
There's Anheuser-Busch in the brewing industry. There's ad agencies, PR agencies, academe. You've got B2B, small and large organizations. Basically so everyone then, yeah? Everyone. Yeah, basically everyone <laughs> is, 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 is going through this same question. So the mm-hmm. beauty is this is where you can actually partner and learn and gather the best practices. But I, I'll break it down into, into three steps. For me, I go back to having a clear business roadmap with an actual capability and competency framework and actually having a set of principles in place. So you've got to have a point of view that's written down that you can that's fit for today and the future and you've physically got to be able to see it download it print it out and point to it so it takes out some of the subjectivity or all of the subjectivity because you've actually committed to a point of view and you've you've torture tested it and you've looked at it for bias some of the language stuff i mentioned before so that's step one and then step two is actually using objective data points that link back to the competencies and i've recently delivered work just doing exactly that. But critically critically important for that piece of work was re-educating the organization that actually you're supposed to use the data for development and not assessment of performance. And it's probably a whole show about assessment and development, and we can go into that at a separate stage or a future episode. The third thing I would say is the new rules of, of modern marketing, you've got to have the right foundations in place, which means there's a strong experiential component, customer insight, creative development, marketing channels, metrics, marketing technology. All of those are foundational things, competencies, capabilities to have as your criteria that you're looking for and then judging. Having those in place is 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 critical as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense there. And and having those sort of found foundations, I think, you know, is is understanding that, you know, it's almost the bedrock of everything we do. You need that at a minimum level before you move on to anything else. So you know, after we've talked about the some of the capabilities. How do you see the the raw talent or how do you spot that? What have you been looking for and do it and how do you do it in an unbiased way? Yeah. Perhaps I mean it's a it's a real Real challenge, but I look for the the poets, the artists, the sort of the musicians, and the the campaigners, um, the bedroom developers, or the self educators, and and you, you you try and find those side hustlers as well, the ones that are proactive communicators. But it's not necessarily all about being extrovert and you know I've got five thousand likes or followers on Instagram. It's also about the big vision okay. thinkers, and, and a lot of the time that isn't about you know the people that want to be um, social media influencers in their part time. So so I'm also looking for you know the the maths A level or a drama qualification, something that shows that they've got that foundation knowledge or that sort of aptitude around a certain sort of uh, a, yeah, uh, bent, I presume. Um, but to be honest, it's it's really difficult, Sam. I, I don't I don't necessarily get that from whether someone's done a foundation level one, two, or three in a marketing qualification, or or even sometimes uh, you you quite often can see a number of people that have come through a degree process, and you're thinking. But where's the where's the practical application in terms of what you learn? Right. Uh, interestingly, yeah, cool. apprenticeships now is uh, is uh, increasingly uh, getting focused, uh, both from a, a government perspective, but also just seeing people sort of opt out of a classic degree route and looking for hands-on, on-the-job training what, on a number of different sort of factors or, or trades. So, so I think that's good to see because it answers your point a little bit earlier on where. That practical demonstration is what you're looking for. Um, 
but that's that's not to it's not to actually uh, say that the academic qualifications are not valuable. Of course, they they're incredibly valuable, and and it's a it's an amazing experience that I would advise everyone to go to through if they can. But at the same time, you are really looking for people that can um, take their life experiences and bring it to role, like the example you've, you've used before. Mentoring is the other way uh, that I find talent as well. I uh, mentor the UEA students, that's University of East Anglia, as well as some voluntary organisations in order to sort of help coach and unlock potential. And in the past, I mentored for Seed Camp or BBC Labs, which are sort of startup incubators. And that's a great source of pride for me. What, what struck me is that the inspiring people all have an inspiring story. And, and that's what I look for. Yeah, I, 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 I do love that mentoring, jumping in here, the, the aspect of mentoring, developing other people, giving back, giving forward, sharing your advice, and really playing that role the, of being a sage or being someone who's walked some of those shoes before and then and then channeling that back. I've seen a lot of relationships grow and develop and people take the advice and things that I wish I'd learned earlier in my career. So mentoring and sponsoring, mm -hmm. again, perhaps another show we can go into separately, huge, huge area, which is critical for success, especially in the marketing space. And I'm seeing some of that slip away. So I'm, it's great to hear that you're a part of it. I'm a part of it. And hopefully a lot of the other listeners see that or can take that on, on their, you know, on onto themselves to actually do more of. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd advise everyone to, to find a, an informal or formal coach or mentor um, if they can. But back back to your unbiased question, because it's, it's a challenge for me, this one, because if I'm honest, Sam, I, I don't know how to quantify that. And, I, and I, in a way, I try not to, as then I think you end up with another type of bias. So, so I try to look at it that if I look in diverse places, I expect to recruit diverse talent, but I'm still looking to recruit the best talent into, into the role that I've got. But what I have learned and, and even been educated on is, is how some terms or even marketing speak can appear overpowering or masculine or overly extrovert. So I'm much more conscious of that when I'm looking at job ads and, and writing those these days. But, but back to the point, you, you still then got to find a way that you're, you're not being bland as well. Mm. Creative things attract creative people, which quite often is what we're looking for. Yeah, I, some some good points there, and the, the the challenges we face. And as I spend more time in this space and research the area more, now I'm mindful that folks listening could be smaller or larger organisations or work within in different roles. But there, are, so I'm going to talk a bit about an example which might be more beneficial if you've got the resources of a larger company. But ultimately, we should, we've all got to be aware of some of the uh, the work that's being done in the Canada experience by being driven by AI and neuroscience and some of the practitioners in that space. And there's a company called Pymetrics, P-Y-M-E-T-R-I-C-S, so Pymetrics, and they use neuroscience and games and video to identify and match people to opportunities within the organization. And one huge shift in their approach is it minimizes or pushes resumes and overtly self-declared data to, towards the end of the process. So they actually don't use that as the lead in. And I was fascinated by a case study that a big company called Unilever have shared in the last year or so. And they've used Pymetrics across nearly 300,000 applicants, 70 countries, 15 or so languages. 
and they've replaced the resume as the first pass filter. And the results that they showed were amazing. 100% increase in the yield of the hire. So 100% more people actually coming through the process. 75% reduction in time to hire. 25% decrease in recruiting costs and record diversity across gender, ethnicity, and the socioeconomic status that they were just coming through their organization. So this approach, which doesn't lead with the traditional way of actually recruiting, was a huge, huge um, de deliverable for them. And it breaks some of these conventions and biases that we may not want to talk about or struggle to fight. And it doesn't, it's not driven by whether you went to Oxford or Cambridge or Princeton or Harvard. The diversity stats show that people are making it through the process who would have been filtered out by the traditional methods. So the technology and, and the new approaches are there. We should really be mindful of checking them out and leveraging them where we can. Well, yeah. I mean, it'd be fascinating to think when does that become mass mass scale and you could use that as equal, um, equally whether you're a small SME as whether you're an enterprise as well. Uh, I think in the meantime, uh, I mean, those results are staggering. You know, what, what I tend to do is look to use experience-based questioning, um, trying to get behind, again, just for what's on the lines of a CV, make sure that there's a lot of case studies, presentations um, built in there. They don't have to involve a huge amount of pre-work, but I find that live environment can bring it um, to life a lot. Uh, looking at mm -hmm. a portfolio of work uh, and, and making sure that you're also meeting the candidates on an informal setting as well as a formal setting and that they get to right. meet the other members of a team for that cultural fit mm -hmm. as well. But ultimately, I think you have to get to a, a scorecard approach so that you're looking at competencies and attributes on a, in an objective fashion as you're try, trying to judge one against another. I've, I've sort of talked before about attributes and uh, Freeform as a company that I've done a lot of work with where they their, their whole premise is around identifying the attributes that are going to give you the greatest potential in the future of work. And, and, I, and I come back to that time and time again because I look at those attributes like empathy or resilience mm -hmm. um, or collaboration and you, you want to make sure that the, the workforce that you're recruiting that team member has got those um in masses because it's really the culture is the operating system of a business and and i want um listeners both internally and externally so so i want that empathy i want them to be able to listen and understand where their, their teammates are coming from as well as where right. customers are as well so so i think there's 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 tools and techniques that you can use um whether you're sort of small, but I, I'm really drawn to that approach. And you do wonder how, how much longer the traditional resume has got as a, as a recruitment device. Yeah, you talked a lot about some of the skills and again, the competencies. So it sounds like a, a future show where we can go in a lot deeper about those things like listening and empathy. So it's easier said than done. Some tips and tricks and techniques on getting better at that could be a future show. Yeah, good, good plan. Good plan. But hey, look, time is getting on. So Sam, take us through the key takeouts and reflections of today's session? So I'd say the first one is be mindful about breaking the restraints and constraints of a traditional interview approach and the traditional structured interview and, and that process. I'm not saying get rid of it. I'm just saying 
be mindful of where it limits you and be more open to a two-way process to tap into the full the full person, the full perspective, and really be more open in your mind in doing that. The second thing is to have a codified point of view on the competencies and capabilities you seek so that not you know, the individuals in the process aren't making up as a go along. There's actually a consolidated point of view that you could look back to and refer to. And then the third thing is definitely to check your bias and mitigate for it and be open to feedback and learning. And everyone has blind spots. Everyone has spaces that they're not familiar with, or they may make assumptions or take shortcuts. So be mindful of them and have systems in place to address them. So break the constraints, having a competency or framework documented and codified and checking for bias. Those are the three areas I'd say to be taking out from this week's show. Yeah, good, good. I think that makes a a lot of sense. And uh, if I was going to add one more on, then I would also just sort of think about, you know, planning out your team as well, looking at what complements you and and trying to do that succession planning wherever you are, whether you're a junior manager or an entrepreneur or or looking at your 39th hire out of a team of 45. Um, So that's, uh, that's pretty much it for this episode. In terms of next week's show, we're going to be talking about growth. Uh, Let's face it, making sure the graphs go up, not down is a core part of what we need to do. Uh, And every transformation plan has that in. Even if a measure measure is efficiency, we're still looking for that uptick. So we're going to look at how you create and optimize a sales plan and what we can learn from some of those huge rising stars of the tech world. Sounds like a great show. I'm excited about it. Good. Well, uh, we will catch up soon on that, no doubt. Yeah, hopefully the listeners will be as well, because so I guess we've got to get <laughs> cracking on putting that together. Yeah, good stuff, Sam. Well, I think that's that's pretty much it for this week. Yep, Chris, f- fully agree. It's been a great show this week. Really looking forward to the next show. But until next time, Chris, have a good week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting martintransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformed at gmail.com.